And welcome to Civil Discourse. I'm Jamie Wojciechowski. And I'm Marilyn Brown. And today we are discussing political idealism. Um, specifically, I've been thinking a lot about uh, the role that uh, idealism seems to be playing in our uh, political process and, and kind of uh, activism in, in general. Uh, it seems to be, and I don't know if it, it's always been like this, and I think there's uh, pros and cons to kind of an idealist uh, mentality as part of a movement. Um, so I guess let's, uh, what what do you think are some of the, the pros of kind of coming at it from a more uh, idealistic uh, perspective, I guess? Yeah, well, I guess I might, I wanted to start off with asking you, when you say political idealism, like, what do you like, what do you mean when you say that? Because I feel like having a good, you know, definition of idealism is helpful just, you know, to get the discussion going. Yeah. Um, oh, and I don't, it, it's hard because I think uh, in our society, idealism is often perceived as a negative. So I, I find myself when I'm naturally uh, describing it almost coming from a negative place, even though I don't necessarily think it's, I think it's like all other things where there's negatives and positives to it. But it's, right. I think uh, for me, cause I, I feel like uh, I'd say I'm more of a rational idealist in that uh, my passion is for the ideal, which is kind of the idea that uh, a belief I, for me, it's kind of a belief in uh not necessarily that uh, utopia is possible, but that we should be fighting for it, whether it is or not. Mm-hmm. That that kind of is the, the should be the goal with the understanding that that goal may be attainable, but we're going to get as close to it as possible. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If that makes that, sense. Yeah. And that image of utopia being where everyone is provided for, everyone has everything that they need and is on equal footing and is happy and you know safe kind of that idea right and i think people's yeah uh in within a- activism and politics people's definition of that word another reason that it's hard to kind of narrow down what idealism is is because people's definitions of it are subtly different and people who are idealistic are idealistic in different ways because for me i have the thought that okay, I would love for there to be a utopia, but that may not actually be a a realistic end goal where there's other people who fully believe without any doubt that that utopia is possible. Um, And I think that's kind of where the the clash comes in when you deal with varying levels of idealism within political movements. Uh, Because I think it's, what ends up happening, I think, is the the negative that I see is that a lot of uh, uh, idealism uh, is very singular focused and it doesn't allow for compromise. It doesn't allow for other thoughts to come in to actually fix the problems as they're happening. I think it just and it, it makes it harder if your end goal is on this uh utopia i see a lot of times that there are steps we could be taking to get there but people don't want to take those steps because not all the steps are idealistic 
if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Because a lot of times you have to compromise to slowly rise and then you can take a big jump. But then there's also, I, I think we heard a lot about it uh, during the, the Democratic primary, right? There was this, that the, the media narrative was that people who supported Bernie were these idealists and that the, uh, people who supported Hillary were more these uh, realists, yeah. right? And I think, first, I think that narrative is is false on both sides. But even the campaigns kind of did it in this, well, we need a revolution versus we need to take small steps. And I think the thing that was missing from that discourse was the reality that both of those things are needed at different points. Because there's some things that, yeah, small steps are the only way to advance. But then there's other times where, no, we actually have an opportunity to to make monstrous amount of change um, right. through one gesture or one movement. And I think kind of seeing it as one or the other uh, makes both possibilities very limited, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, no, I, I definitely... Um... I agree with that. I think that that that's the struggle that we're in right now is that we're really, I think that so much of the the narrative is that it's either or um, with anything that's happening. And I think we really have to be able to take a broader stance and really be more mindful and, and look at the whole picture because, you know, when you were talking about this idea of utopia and just kind of the definition of idealism, I think that like, that's a necessary part to be able to do the work to work towards the goal. I think you need that. You need that hope and you need that faith that it's possible. Or I think that that really creates discourse in how you're even doing the work and, and how kind of dedicated you are to the work. Because I think that that's so, so that not necessarily believing that it's completely, you know, the most realistic thing, but also having this hope for that and having a faith that something like that is possible, I think is an important part in being able to do the work um, in a way that keeps you grounded and moving forward and able to decide when it's time to compromise and when it's time to push forward. I think that like you, you have to have that kind of foundation of belief in order to really be able to be mindful and kind of move forward and know what you're what you're fighting for um but i also think that it really has to be an and i think that we have to be able to do all of those things and 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 have that faith but also recognize that there are small steps and incremental steps and compromises that need to be made throughout um the process and i think that what i see with a lot of political idealism right now that that there's a there's a conflict between multiple different kind of politically idealist movements. And I think the struggle is that we have to recognize that these things are intersectional and that oftentimes certain goals of one movement are maybe not even the goal, but just the, just the, the existence of certain things create barriers to other movements. And that needs to be, we need to be willing to talk about those things and actually be mindful of that. And, and when, when it comes up, not get defensive, which oftentimes is what we do, we, you know, have a defensive reaction of that's not my intention, or that's not what I'm trying to do, but being able to just listen and recognize and see how all of these things kind of fit together. Cause it really is a very complicated 
quilt kind of a woven you know it, it's a complicated thing and so you if you have this idealist um idea that like i'm working towards this goal and it doesn't impact anything else in anybody else's work that's really you can do a lot of damage that way mm -hmm. yeah it's interesting because i'm thinking about uh, our society and, and the media and and its views on idealism and they tend to characterize idealist as naive and kind of just in the clouds. But at the same time, they kind of push a form of idealism because what I see often is the thing people focus on the most are the goals, right? So many people see this is my goal, but they don't look at what the work to get to that goal entails and i think it's kind of that the other side of what you're talking about with the intersectionality is that there are a lot of movements that the goals are very very different and counter to one another but a lot of times the steps to get there help both if that makes sense so we and and this is a problem i always have because i'm pretty progressive but i'm also very uh, re realistic, I guess. I don't know if it's mine. I don't know what the, the word is, but um, I have my ideals, but I also look at like to look at the reality of, well, how are those ideals going to be implemented and how can I actually help move them forward in the, in the complexity of the way our system and our society works? And I often find that a specific example is with libertarians. Like I, there's a lot of things that they agree with conservatives and liberals on. Um, and it's interesting when I converse or work with a, a libertarian, because there's so many things we agree on, but a lot of times I get stuck on the, the reasoning. So I say, okay, we both agree uh, against war for example right but the reasons we disagree are very different and a lot of times i get stuck on those so mm -hmm. i feel like those are what get highlighted the most and then we can never work together because i'm stuck on the the fact and and for that example and this i mean for libertarians this is my the way i perceive it in kind of my own idealism and my uh uh world view and it's not saying that all libertarians think this way or whatever i'm just and i think that for me uh or i don't even know if it, it's for me because i think it's more complex but what i see a lot of liberals what they'll say is they're against war because they uh want their focus is on helping people right so they want to be active in foreign policy they just want a positive foreign policy so that they could help all underdeveloped countries all all these things and then kind of the the libertarian stereotype is that they're against war because they just don't think we should be involved at all. Right. Right. So the outcome is both don't want to be involved in war, but the way they're coming at it are polar opposite. Totally. Uh, so I think it, it, it creates this weird, uh, it creates an, an obstacle that I think our society creates because so much of a, so many of us are focused on the goals and not necessarily, uh, the work that needs to be done to get there. Mm -hmm. If that mm -hmm. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. No, I see what you're saying. And I think that like what that really kind of brought up for me is this, 
this sticking point that you were saying that we get to of the reasons behind it of like, we're agreeing on the same point, but we're, we're maybe disagreeing or, or oftentimes judging each other's reasons behind it. And what kept coming up for me is do, I mean, do the reasons really, really matter that much? Mm -hmm. And I, I was just kind of asking myself that question because I think that like, we're all so different, you know, we're all very, very similar in a lot of ways and yet we're all different and we've had different experiences. And so our reasons are going to be different and kind of what's behind what, what brings me to a place of, of fighting for whatever I believe is important and what brings you to a place of fighting for something that you believe is important or having the beliefs that you believe, believe we're, we're going to get there differently. But I think we have this expectation and we want, we want uniformity in the motives. And I think that that's something that we have to kind of work on and step back from, because I think that's where we tend to isolate ourselves with people who not only have similar beliefs, but think the way we do and have had similar experiences. And we kind of end up in these little chambers where we're having the same conversations. But, you know, I think that, like you said, a lot of those different chambers are, are wanting the same things, mm -hmm. but because of the beliefs and the experiences and what makes, um, what brings people to those spaces, there's, there's this disagreement and there's this, there, there are these walls that we build up. Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's frustrating for me because I do consider myself an idealist in a lot of ways. I'm a pretty, you know, I'm I'm I believe that you know all those things are possible in a utopia type of society where we are all doing well and thriving is possible. And so I'm kind of constantly trying to find that. Right, and I mean, I have I have two kind of things just on the the is it possible because I'm that way too i don't i mean my form of idealism in, on this issue is that i mean it's 100 percent possible because we can look at the data and see that it's possible there is we can take care of every human and supply their basic needs to a level of comfort if we want it to um i guess the thing that makes me kind of a, a skeptic and kind of uh yeah just a, a skeptic on it is are humans advanced enough and intelligent enough and uh, to allow ourselves to do it mm. is kind of where my questioning comes. So it's a hundred. I believe that uh, my belief is a hundred percent possible. But will humans okay. let it be possible? Is where I question if. <laughs> right, and I think in that I think we're we're moving towards that. Where I think we're becoming more open to that possibility, and I think that even just our human consciousness and the way we look at things is shifting. And so maybe not in our lifetimes, you know, but I look at, at the way, you know, I'm, I'm so inspired by the youth and the way they, the way their, their awareness. And so I think that we will get there, but will we see it? I don't know. Yeah. I think too, uh, going back to, you were talking about, uh, just, just the last thing is I think fear is a big, mm. um, part of it too. Um, because I think just going back to the, the, the war, the war idea between, uh, liberals and libertarians or whatever. And just, that's just an example. It's just throwing it out there as, as kind of a made up thing. Um, I think a lot of those issues of why we acknowledge that we don't have the same goal and that's what stops us from being able to work together is fear. 
right? And I think in, in analyzing myself, when I do that, what I often find in myself is I acknowledge the fact that at this moment, the short-term goal is the same, even though the long-term goal is different. And there's a fear that if I help this other group um, and work with this other group to elevate it, that they're a step closer to their goal, their their big goal, even though in the short term, um, we're kind of working for the same thing, if that makes sense. And there's a fear that their big goal will threaten you. My, yeah, at some point that they could at get more point. power and I've helped them achieve the the ultimate goal that was different than mine. Mm. Right. I think that mm-hmm. that's kind mm-hmm. of what yeah, no, drives. I think, I think, yeah. I think fear is at the base of a lot of these things. I mean, pretty much every um, episode that we have, we end up talking about fear in some context. Cause I think that fear is really at the root of what drives a lot of, um, a lot of, people's beliefs and people's actions. And so I, I agree. I think that that's kind of the struggle is that people are afraid that assisting or not even necessarily assisting, but just not hindering or not speaking out against certain groups mm-hmm. that that will, that, that that group's growth will cause their eventual, um, you know, demise or their suffering in some way. And I think that like, it's hard because we also live in a place where, or we, we live in a time where that's used. We, the fear is really used as a tool right now to, to get people to do all kinds of things and to get people to think all kinds of ways. And, and, and so it's, it's difficult because I think we are really kind of trying to combat that, that fear that's really been used and kind of weaponized in a way, especially with the internet and with social media to, to cause harm. And so it's, it's a scary thing for me because I recognize that as much as I have a, a, a very positive um, ideal of what we're moving towards, I also see that there's, there's resistance to that mm-hmm. and it's coming at, and it's, and it's, it's hitting on that deep core fear. That's really one of those, it's the, one of the, the most kind of driving emotion for us, you know, fear and then love, you know, but fear, I mean, it, 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 it's really all, all encompassing and, and it can create a space where we're not able to really think straight. We're not able to really kind of connect to, to anything other than trying to mitigate that fear. Right. And I think to, to, just on being mindful, I think the, the best way for us to combat fear is to try to not necessarily I normally think it's embrace it, but I think it's just understand it and in, in ourselves and in others. Because I'm thinking that the, I'm trying to think, of, well, what's an extreme difference between someone who's idealistic and someone who's not? And I think uh, just the thing that, that popped in my head is not even idealistic versus not, but is this idea of someone who full, firmly believes in this utopia and someone who firmly believes that it's not possible. And if you believe that it's not possible, uh, I think there's a fear that by fighting for it, that means I'm going to lose something and I'm going to end up being the one who suffers because other people are fighting for this imaginary thing. Right. So, and once you start to understand where other people are coming from and why they hold that view and how it 
affects their life and their choices, I think you're better equipped to start meaningful dialogue uh, with that person. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. And you, and you see that happening. I think that there are um, really focused efforts to try to, to try to touch on that and to put people in spaces where they actually do can have conversations and understand each other on a more personal level. So like on Van Jones show, he does that where he gets, puts two different people in the car together and they have like very, very different um, divergent political views on some issue and has them in the car together, just kind of driving around discussing things. And you just kind of see what happens. Um, when that happens and Oprah has a 60, I think it's 60 minutes um, where she does something similar with kind of panels of people. And, and, and I think that like, that is the reality. Cause at the end of the day, we are all human and we do have those same driving emotions. And when we are able to talk to each other without all of the, the, you know, the, the judgment and the, the preconceived notions and things like that. And the political kind of, you know, um, identities of I'm this and you're that. And and so we disagree on these things. I think that people really are able to understand each other a lot more. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know if that necessarily changes um, people's views and how people vote and, and, and the things that people actually fight for in their daily lives. But I have seen spaces where that's happening more right. um, intentionally. Yeah. And I think going Back to to the Parkland students, I I like that you brought them up because I think on idealism, we often label young people who are very motivated politically automatically as idealists. And I think there is a a truth to that. I think uh, young people tend to be very idealistic, but I think it's it's a positive thing in that it really gets them uh, active. Right. It, it gets them marching, gets them politically involved. They become activists. And I think the thing people need to remember is that young people aren't in office. They're not the ones making the laws. So there's really no need for them to at any point not be completely idealistic because they're just fighting for something. It's someone else's job to to see what the realities of right. that is and how to advance those causes so i i think it's important just to remember that all these things kind of play a role and yeah we need idealism but we also don't want everyone to be idealistic just like we don't want everyone to be a realist it's it's the differences that give us the different perspectives so we can come up with the best solutions exactly yeah that's just what i was going to say is that we need all those different voices and the different opinion so that we can come together to have a conversation and decide what actually works. Right. Yeah. And I think that's super important. Yeah. And just shifting to kind of the, I guess the big negative I'll say of what I see in uh, the idealists I work with the most doing different activist projects is, um, Mm, I want to I want to choose my words very very carefully is they often I think a problem with having a, a idealist worldview is you often have an idealist view of yourself um that mm-hmm. kind of hinders the has at times hinders the issues you're actually fighting for um and 
I think just to make that more clear, what I mean is I think we often label others as the problem and don't see ourselves as part of the problem. And in a society that's completely interconnected, we are all always part of the problem because we participate in society. And just an example of that, I think, is just racism in general. And specifically now because racism uh, isn't always the way i mean it used to be just grand gestures of of racism and and blatant murder and and these things it's not like it's more a lot of it now is just more subtle and i think we so easily blame others without ever reflecting on well how is this racist society that i've been brought up into affected me because a lot of people are fighting to kind of change everyone else, but then don't really reflect on changing themselves as well. And I think that's the part that's really missing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like with what you said about racism, I definitely agree that it's not as overt as it was, you know, decades and, and years ago and in the past. And yet there's always been that undercurrent, and there's always been, and so it's like all of these things have kind of been at play. And there's also the, the, the structural and systemic racism that I think is really kind of what I hear you speaking to. And that kind of people being able to look at how have I, how have I benefited from this? How, how, how has this influenced my life? How, and how am I continuing to participate in this? without even knowing it, you know, without even having that awareness. And I think that is something that's really important. And I see that as really the sticking point for a lot of people who um, come to these spaces and identify as allies. I think that like, I find that someone who's really done kind of their own work and is coming to the table as an ally of having done their own work is able to have a conversation about structural racism, white supremacy, how it's affected them, how it continues to affect them without getting defensive or feeling um, like they're being attacked. If the, if the conversation comes up versus somebody who, you know, is really um, idealistic to the point where they're so idealistic about what they're doing and idealistic about themselves and their role in it, that they're not able to see that, just wearing a Black Lives Matter t-shirt is not, you know, the the encompassment of of the work and being able to actually look at yourself and look at your own experiences and and doors that have opened for you and things like that throughout your life are also really, really important. And not getting and being able to have a conversation with um, someone who is the primary focus of that movement if you're coming into it as an ally without again getting defensive and and without taking the conversation around structural and systemic racism as a personal attack right and i I think with everything we talk about it comes down to uh, understanding right and uh i point this out often but uh i think that term is very misunderstood in our society because it's often considered a a negative um specifically when you're dealing with uh i guess things you disagree with right so if i were if there were to be um a, a mass murderer on trial and i were to make a comment about trying to understand him um, i think there would be a lot of backlash about just that that concept because there's 
there's a assumption that understanding means giving that person a pass or accepting the, the actions that we disagree with. And it's just not, I mean, of course that, that can be, people can do that. But for me, understanding is trying to understand why something is happening or why someone is the way they are so that we can actually come up with solutions to correct the problem. And I see that a lot too with the, the idealism in, in our, in our politics is this jump to just label people as evil or the problem and not looking at the, the complexity and the, the undercurrent I watched. Oh, I wish I uh, knew who posted it, but there was this video um, and going back to just to the, the, the idea of racism as mm-hmm. our example. Um, and it was talking about um, just how, the, the, why it, it keeps persisting. And one of the things it was talking about was how a, a problem is that uh, white kids in our country are taught uh, a history that just shows the positive attributes of white people in our country. It doesn't show the, the realities of what things have happened without the, the emotional context, right? We don't learn like this is just, is just what we've done. Um, we learn, well, we want to control the narrative. So we look good. So we only teach these things, whether it's to, we want to shelter our, our kids from knowing the violence or whatever the, kind of the excuse is i think there's just a lot of ways our society forms us uh, throughout our entire lives and it's, it's it's always been interesting to me that uh when we're talking about kids we often acknowledge that right where it's like well it's not their fault they've been conditioned that way their parents caused that society's caused that and then as soon as someone hits 16 17 18 we start considering them adult and say now they have complete control over their free right. will or 12 just, they're black or brown kid right right and it's just not the the reality and yes at a point we have to keep our society safe and hold people accountable for their actions but the the demonizing of it without actually looking for why those actions are occurring um i think is is a major problem and i think it's a it's a form of idealism of of very negative idealism yes yeah well because it's that idealism that just wants to label it as bad and negative and and see it as other rather than recognizing that that other is a part of us like we're you know we we've as a whole kind of participated in it and -hmm. but i think that that kind of you know a lot of times people are like calling um calling the current president evil and he's just evil and everything he's doing is evil and it's like okay but like we're not separate from all of that like this is you know what i mean this isn't some this isn't some like thing that is this isn't some separate entity that came out of nowhere like this is this has been through 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 our you know through society and like you said how we've been conditioned like this was created Mm -hmm. here you know what I mean? And so this idea that like, well, let's just divorce ourselves from it. It's this evil other thing is is idealistic in a very unmindful way. Right. And it comes back to to fear, I, I think, too, is that I think the reason we 
do that. I think it's a, it's a survival tactic in a way uh, because of fear is that I think we fear seeing ourselves in people who do things we disagree with. Right. And as soon as you start trying to understand them, you start seeing similarities and you start seeing yourself in, in their actions. And I've always said that. And I think for me as an actor, I learned that very young i started to feel like i literally in me have the capacity to do anything to be the most loving person to be the most crazy evil person it's all within me and i've just been conditioned since i was a child to be a specific way but if i had completely different conditioning i totally believe that i i could be a terrorist i could be a monk i could be whatever it is with the conditioning it's all all the possibilities are within my being um and that's kind of i think it just is a scary thing for a lot of people to think to see like a serial killer or a a, a rapist or just someone a, a neo-nazi whatever it is and see similarities i think is very frightening for a lot of people and that's why we have the instinct to just label people as evil and it's the the gun thing good guy versus with a gun versus a bad guy with a gun is this narrative of this other and it makes right. us feel better about ourselves so we yeah. can all say well i'm a, i'm a good guy on this side and they're over there um and it yeah yeah it's a form of idealism that's run by fear totally totally and and as you were talking about that it, it really brought up for me that that concept of the shadow and how important it is for us to be able to recognize that it's there we we all have the capacity for all of these things and when we avoid it and when we're not willing to find a tool to utilize it. Like I think for actors, you guys have a great tool to work with your shadow and to explore it in a way that isn't so scary and, and, and be able to, you know, explore that and work with it. I think mindfulness is a great tool to be able to help you explore and work through your own shadow. But we recognize that when we haven't become accepting of our own capacity for those things, you're right that we, we want to just push it away and we want to just, say that it's other and that it has nothing to do with us when the reality is that we're all, we all have that capacity for all of these things. Right. And I think too, it's also being, uh, not being, not having an idealistic goal for yourself, right? Because we're living in the society we're living in, we're constantly being conditioned. So that requires us to constantly be self-reflecting and understanding of ourselves, Yes. Right. Because there's no there's not going to be a moment of I at least know no one who's ever found a moment of enlightenment where they're like, I now fully understand my being and, and all my issues. And it just Got doesn't it. happen. As soon yeah. as you kind of start learning about one, you discover another and it just and you're changing all the time. So something that you learned about yourself two years ago may not even be relevant to who you are now. So mm -hmm. it's just an ever ending journey. And I think that's just true with the mindfulness journey in general. But I think it's important to remember that to kind of be compassionate with yourself as you are kind of self-reflecting because a lot of it can be scary to realize that certain things are lingering kind of in you that you'd never acknowledged before. Um, and so I think you need that, that compassion to... Yeah really be able to truly 
accept it and dive deep into it so you don't cause yourself unneeded trauma. Right, right. Yeah, I think that's really important. And I also think that when you're doing it from a very mindful perspective, you also discover things that you didn't realize that you had as far as your capacity for love and your your the, these positive things about yourself. I know that for me, in doing my shadow work and really kind of being willing to start digging in and looking at the things that I, that I didn't, I won't even say that I didn't like about myself, but the things that I didn't, that I, that didn't feel comfortable for me. Mm-hmm. And, and as I started to explore those things, digging into those things was actually where I started to find a lot of the gifts that I didn't recognize that I had. And mm-hmm. so I think it's really interesting because when we're able to be willing to like explore what feels aversive to us or feel scary to us in a mindful way. I think that like there's, there's jewels underneath that, that we don't, that we can't really find unless we're willing to like dive that deep. Right. I think too, you can also, it's also a good step to being able to have meaningful conversations with others and, and potentially start creating change because once you start realizing Specifically, I think some of the the negative attributes that we've been conditioned with, you can then lead with a way to relate to someone you disagree with and start to change them. I'll just give an example. I remember uh, I was relatively young. I think it was when I was a freshman in in college because uh, I had uh, diverse friends growing up. I had a lot of black friends and that would cause actually issues with parts of my family because they're very racist growing up. But I mean, I was primarily surrounded by white people. And when I got to college, I went to Chicago, which is not the case. And I realized early on, I think in the first couple of months there, whenever I'd be walking around, if there was a black man in a hoodie following me, I was much more careful than if it was a, white dude right and i just i just realized it and Mm -hmm. slowly started to talk myself through the the, why that that was happening and kind of correct it right correct that misinformation and i remember it getting a lot of attention because i would talk about it often with people who i knew were very very overtly racist Mm -hmm. and it was really the first time that any kind of meaningful conversation occurred with them because I was no longer just a threat to them. They were seeing something that, well, I do that. And I think that's, they would say, I do that. I think that's normal because blah, 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 blah. And then I would say, oh, when I actually looked into it, like this is the, the reality I found. And then they were actually able to, most of them rejected it still, but at least in a moment, acknowledge the validity of it Mm -hmm. as opposed to, the normal conversation of me just bring something up and it totally gets shut down immediately or it turns into a fight or what, whatever right. it is. But I think that self reflection is just very important to, to helping fix the issues that we claim to be fighting for. Yeah. Yeah. I think that self reflection is, I mean, I won't say it's the most, most, most important piece, but I definitely think it's pretty foundational in really doing that work in a way that, that will actually create lasting change. You know, I, I definitely agree with that. And I think that like, um, 
that part is also one of the more challenging pieces. And I think that it's, it's important to have spaces where you can talk about that and where you can work through that. Yeah. And I think too, it's also a, a, a motivation factor to engage um, because I was always pretty political, but I wasn't always very involved. Mm-hmm. And once I started self-reflecting and seeing these, some negative conditioning in me, um, mm-hmm. What it ended up doing was just, I was like, well, if this can affect me and I consider myself very progressive, this really truly means that everyone is affected. And Mm -hmm. it's something that then I have to fight for for myself and for others. It was very much a a motivating factor for me to get involved. And it wasn't just that instance. It was just a lot of things I was learning as I was in college and kind of um, in a much more diverse place and and just i think the the type of college i went to i went to an art school and Mm -hmm. i think it was a very self it it really encouraged self-reflection and i think that was just a a part of it Mm -hmm. i think that that's a really good point that that self-reflection and being able to recognize how pervasive it is if it's affecting me and that kind of getting you motivated to get involved it sounds like a very similar kind of parallel way that a lot of people get involved when they recognize this is affecting me and my community and get involved in movements because not because they're wanting to not because they have any interest in being an activist but because this matters to me and the people that i love right yeah and i think too i i think that's a just it's it's so true because i think the more you try to understand yourself the obviously the more you will i it's not obviously i don't know why i said that uh, what i find for myself is the more i understand myself the more i'm able or the more interest i have in understanding others um Mm -hmm. and that often leads to uh, a lot of feelings of compassion Mm -hmm. so i just get very much i explore myself but then i'm also just very naturally intrigued in why other people feel the way they do and what their experiences are as opposed yeah. to just leading with the judgment. Right. And it's not even, I don't even think it's not even that, Ooh, I'm, I'm superior and I want to understand. It's just that you naturally get a curiosity that leads that is just like, well, why would you feel that way? And then giving pe- and because it's genuine, you actually give the person the space to explain why they feel that way. And, 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 when you're actually getting that personal connection that's that's real, it, it does af- affect you. Even if at the end of the day you disagree with it, you you learn about, oh well, that was a that's an interesting worldview that person has that led them to do that. Um, and if it's a problematic worldview, then at least you have a f- foundation to go. Well, how do we correct this? Right, right. And you can also apply that worldview to other things and recognize other people may also have that worldview that's different than mine. And so even if it doesn't change your experience with that person and and maybe you don't agree with them, but still being able to then after you've had that conversation with them, then think, oh, well, maybe somebody else might have this, that similar worldview or be coming from a different place than I am. So it, it, it create it. I think it gives you more of a space to be more open and to, to learn and grow from your interactions with people as well. Right. So I think at the end of the day, uh, the idea that if idealism is, is 
is good or bad, if you will. Um, it, it's just like everything else, right? I mean, this is what we always come down to. It's a tool. It depends yep. on how we use it. And if you use it mindfully, uh, you can use it to do a lot of good. And if you don't use it mindfully, um, it can cause a lot of problems. Yeah. Right. Yep. I agree. And I think we all need a little bit of idealism in something. Cause I think that that's just an important part. Having that, that belief. Right. That right. And I'm, it's possible that's better than this. It's like, I, I, when people just say they're completely realist on every level and they're just like, I, I, I worry <laughs> because I think we've got to have some sort of faith in something better. Right. And it's, it's part of the, for me, it's part of the pendulum pendulum of kind of balance, right. Between the idealism and the realism is I want, uh, ideally I want a, a balance of both. Right. So that I see things kind of from both, I'm able to see things from both perspectives and I'm not just locked into one way of thinking. Right. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, hopefully uh, we will be better. We've both been so busy. So um, we're going to try to be better and, and be a little more regular uh, with our podcasts. Um, do you have any homework? I mean, I feel like this is just like a, a, a self-exploration, mm-hmm. you know, just kind of like, how does, how does idealism show up in your own life? Yeah. Both positively and uh, negatively. All yeah. sides of it. Totally. Awesome. All well, right. have a wonderful week and hopefully we will see you all next week. Yes. Have a great week. We'll see you guys next time.